Welcome to 7-Minute Torah, an exploration of the weekly Torah portion with me, Rabbi Micah Streifer. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to subscribe or comment or share it with a friend. The animals, they came on, they came on by twosies, twosies, elephants and kangaroosies, roosies. Oh, hi. I was just singing the song Rise and Shine, which I learned growing up at summer camp. You might know the song. It tells the story of Noah's Ark. You know, Noah, he built him an arky arky, and then it rains and pours for 40 daisies, daisies, and the sun comes out and dries up the landy landy. And in the end, everything is hunky-dory-dory. So rise and shine and give God your glory, glory. All right, I can be done now. When we think of the story of Noah's Ark, which is this week's Torah portion, Noah, we often think of it in this cutesy kind of way. We put pretty pictures of animals in a boat in our children's nurseries. We sing cutesy songs like Rise and Shine, which I apologize if I've just given you an earworm for the next 40 daisies, daisies. We tell funny stories about why the unicorns or the dinosaurs didn't make it onto the ark. In fact, somebody once sent me a cartoon of two dinosaurs standing on a mountaintop in the rain, watching the ark float away, and one of them says to the other, Oh crap, was that today? We've accustomed ourselves to think of Noah and the ark as a children's story. But this is actually not a children's story, at least not only. It's a powerful, disturbing allegory about humanity, about our responsibility to each other, about our capacity to do great evil, and ultimately about hope. The Parsha begins by introducing us to Noah, who it says was Ish Tzadik, a righteous man, Tamim Hayabadorotav. He was blameless in his age. Now the rabbis jump on that phrase and they ask, what does it mean to be blameless in his age? Couldn't the Torah just have said he was blameless? And they answer by saying that this is qualified praise. Noah was righteous relative to the generation that he lived in. But if he had lived in a better generation, they said, he would have been just average. Now that's already interesting because the rabbis are painting Noah not as a saint, but rather as an average person whose goodness comes from his willingness to stand against the evil that surrounds him. The earth was corrupt before God. It was filled with lawlessness. The Torah never exactly says what the people's crime was. And the rabbis posit everything from robbery to murder to little tiny thefts that were too small to be prosecuted by the courts and eroded the trust in government bringing on anarchy. So what we seem to have here is a picture of a world where people don't follow rules, where there aren't laws maintaining order and respect in society, or at least people aren't following them. And one of the clues to that fact is that at the end of the parsha, after all said and done, one of the outcomes of the flood will be the rule of law. So at any rate, the earth is filled with lawlessness, and what does God do? Well, you probably know the story. God commands Noah to build an ark and to bring a pair of every animal that lives onto the ark. Except in the next paragraph, it then says seven of every clean animal, 
which is to say animals that could be sacrificed, and two of every unclean animal, which tells us that we probably have two different versions of the story woven together here. Noah builds the ark, brings the animals, it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, and then they stay on the ark many more days than that, until finally Noah sends out a series of birds who ultimately show him that the waters have subsided. So Noah and his family leave the ark. He builds an altar and begins to make sacrifices to God, and he and God make a covenant together. This is actually the first instance in the Torah of the word brit, or covenant, which of course is an absolutely central concept to Judaism. A brit, or covenant, is essentially an agreement where there are promises and obligations made on both sides. The covenant between God and Noah is no exception. God blesses Noah and his family, tells them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God then goes on to tell them that they are allowed to eat any animal on earth, so long as they do not eat basar benafsho damo, flesh with its lifeblood in it. In other words, you're allowed to eat animals so long as you drain the blood, because that's considered to be the source of life. It goes on to say that people are not to shed each other's blood, and in fact, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. So what we have here is a series of allowances and restrictions on human activity. People are given permission to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, to build a civilization, to use the earth's resources to grow and learn and create humanity as we know it. They're even told that they can use, so to speak, the animals. You can eat animals, you can kill them for those purposes, but there are to be restrictions on what you do. For one thing, you don't just get to kill and eat anything you want. You have to kill it in such a way that you honor it as a living being. And secondly, you can't kill each other. And if you do, it says here, by man shall your blood be shed, which is not permission for people to just kill killers. Rather, it's a call for the creation of a justice system of courts that will try and punish people when they break the law, when they hurt each other. And God punctuates this covenant, this series of demands, with a promise of God's own by placing a rainbow in the sky and saying, this is my symbol that I will never again wipe out all flesh on earth. This is the Torah's story of how civilization came into being, of how laws and rules and courts and punishments and social contracts came to be a part of human life. It's also an ancient reminder to us of just how important our obligations are to each other. Civilizations rise and fall on people's willingness to treat each other with dignity and respect. And our planet rises and falls on our willingness to treat it and other living creatures with dignity and respect. In the end, the message is, like Noah, to be tamim bedorotenu, to be the righteous ones in our generation. None of us are perfect, but we all have the capacity to stand up for what's right when we see wrong around us. Rather than simply following the crowd or doing what everyone does, we can ask ourselves, what do I believe is good and right? And then we can live in the world according to our own values. That's the message of Noah. That's what we can learn from this very ancient story. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment, and please pass it on to a friend. 
You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week.